you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Good morning all. Um, Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the room. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For be... For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman of folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kylie. Good morning, church. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all the many dads out there. In light of that, I just want to take a quick moment to acknowledge that um, Father's Day is not always an easy day for many people. Um, At least in the same vein as Mother's Day, uh, these days are set up and presented to do lots of celebrating, and that's great, Uh, and we have taken a moment this morning to celebrate that, but it should also, especially in a church community, be an opportunity for us to recognise that it's not always an easy day uh, for many of us. Maybe we've had abusive fathers or distant fathers, uh, or maybe we are longing to be fathers ourselves and uh, biology or uh, whatever it is with inside uh, God's sovereign plan uh, has not worked out that way. Uh, And I want to recognise that this morning uh, and just say that we are mindful of you, uh, we are praying for you and uh, I want to just extend that if you need someone to talk to, uh, I'd love to talk with you. Uh, I know Mike would um, or you can come and see even someone like Andrew or Grant or Michael, uh, one of the the men in our church that uh, you look up to and trust. Uh, Can I encourage you to take that opportunity um, to talk openly uh, with other men in your life. Uh, Let us get around one another and support one another in prayer. Um, To that end, let me pray now and then we'll get into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our good Father in heaven. Thank you that you are perfect, you are holy, and as we've heard this morning, you are incredibly merciful, especially in the face of our great rebellion against you. 
Father, we're mindful this morning that while uh, today is often a great time of celebration and, um, and we're thankful for that and we're thankful for the many fathers that are in our community, Father, we also recognise that it is a hard day for many. Um, we want to uh, bring our, our brothers and sisters uh, who wrestle and struggle with days like today before your throne, Heavenly Father. We ask that you would grant them peace, that you would grant them grace, that you would be their comfort in the midst of uh, the, the struggle and the hurt and the wounds that might be caused by a day like today uh, and the, the pain that it can trudge up. And Father, we ask that you would uh, help us as their brothers and sisters to get around them, to love them and to be that support and care for them. Father, we are so thankful that uh, we can completely rest in your perfect fatherhood and we can learn from you that even when we have uh, traumatic and terrible earthly father experiences, that we can look to your perfect, loving fatherhood and know that in you there is no failure, there is no distance, there is only love, warmth, welcome. And so we rest in that this morning and we pray that you would help us to uh, love and care for our brothers and sisters who uh, wrestle with today and help us to point them to the complete love of our Heavenly Father and uh, that they would find rest in you. We ask this in your name. Amen. And well, yes, as Grant said, we are jumping into Proverbs uh, for the next nine weeks together. Uh, and to kick us off, I just wanted to uh, read another portion of Proverbs. Uh, I just want to read Proverbs chapter 1, and this is the first seven verses. It says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and to saying the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let those seven verses be an overarching banner over all that we do over these next nine weeks. Uh, let me encourage you, come often to these first seven verses. Uh, they are orientation verses. They help us understand why we're reading Proverbs and how to read Proverbs, and in fact, how to go about reading all wisdom literature right throughout Old Testament and New Testament. We'll touch on a few more keys in a moment, uh, but let me encourage you, during these next nine weeks, be often in Proverbs 1, verse 1 through to 7. If not, just read Proverbs as often as you can physically manage over these next nine weeks, and I guarantee it will be helpful as we're moving through this as a church. Uh, many of us would be familiar with the trend, hashtag lifehack. Uh, TikTok boasts that the trend, hashtag lifehack, has over 137 billion views. If you're unfamiliar with a life hack, uh, it's a video, often less than a minute long, uh, which is meant to show you a better way to live, how you can hack life to do things easier or with more joy. Some of the most popular TikTok life hacks have solved very important issues for our world, such as keeping paint off the rim of the can, 
cleaning baby bottles easily, sneaking in notes to exams, which must be some relevant for some of our uni students going in. Block your ears, Aaron. Um, preventing stale cereal, a traumatic experience for many of us. <laughs> Defoaming pasta water also. In fact, just last week I was in JB Hi-Fi and my eye caught a rubber mat, just a metre-by-metre metre rubber mat. The purpose of this rubber mat was for either sitting underneath a washing machine or a dryer or sitting between those two appliances to keep them from shaking off one another. Um, and the JB Hi-Fi employee begins telling me what this mat is for, and I start to zone out because I'm like, bro, I got this. Like, I know what a rubber mat does. Anyway, he then points out that I have picked up the black rubber mat, um, a recycled rubber mat, by the way, so I was feeling a little bit environmentally friendly. And then he goes on to tell me that if I use this one on white tiles, in a couple of years' time, I'm going to have a horrible, horrible time trying to clean the tiles in our rental, uh, and that would be absolutely disastrous. And so he points to the white, non-recycled rubber mat and said, that's your option if you're putting this on white tiles. I grab the rubber mat, problem avoided, hashtag life hack. <laughs> it's important stuff. Uh, and this phenomenon, it continues to sweep the world, and I think it is because on a, a deep subconscious level, we crave wisdom. We crave wanting to know how to go about life in the best possible way. However, due to the fall, to humanity's turning away from honouring and loving and fearing God, we are at a loss for genuine wisdom that leads to life. And so this is what we are looking to explore today and over these next nine weeks, the question of what is wisdom, where do we find it and how does it change our lives? And so before we dive into Proverbs 9 and consider its words, I wanted to help us navigate a little bit for this series. Uh, here's a few helpful things for approaching the book of Proverbs uh, and wisdom literature throughout Scripture in general. So there's that first one of uh, read Proverbs 1, especially the first seven verses, as often as you can. But also, here's some other keys. Proverbs are principles, not promises. They are observations about God's world and how we best live in it. But they are not hard and fast promises that will always apply or always come about in the same way. For example, a classic that gets misunderstood and even misused or abused and is quite relevant for us today on Father's Day is Proverbs 22.6, which says, train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is older, he will not depart from it. It's a beautiful proverb and one that parents cling to, but this is not a promise. It's not a promise that this will happen, but it's a general principle. If you discipline and train your children, they are more likely to grow up honouring their parents, honouring God, but not always. And just as much as this proverb can be uh, held onto as a promise, it can also be used as a Bible grenade to guilt parents uh, whose children maybe aren't walking in the faith journey as they would like. Proverbs are principles, not promises. The second one, Proverbs should be read as a conversation between a father and his son. We would have noticed verse 1 of Proverbs 1, uh, these words are the words of Solomon, the son of David. Imagine, if you will, an ancient Hebrew father pulling alongside his son and calling to him, saying to him, son, put down your tablet or your phone. 
Come sit with me, come listen, come learn. And this is helpful for a few reasons. Firstly, it helps us understand that proverbs are, that these proverbs, as being for our best, our Heavenly Father is beckoning us to come and learn from Him. And also, it helps us to understand some of the more gendered words and language you would have noticed in our reading just a moment ago that wisdom and folly are personified as women, lady wisdom and dame folly. Now, two reasons for this. Firstly, the Proverbs are being addressed to a son. And so the choices laid before him are a wise woman or a foolish woman. But secondly, the Hebrew word for wisdom, chokmah, is feminine. And so when it's personified, it is made into a female character uh, to help visualize and understand what's happening in the poetry and in the language. And I want to highlight this for us as we come to navigating the book of Proverbs, uh, because firstly, for women to read this and not apply it to themselves, uh, because they seem to think it only applies to men, would be unhelpful and untrue. And secondly, that men would read this and unfairly or unhelpfully translate the personifications of wisdom or folly on those of, or those of high character onto women in their lives and those types of women they wish to find. Men, the female personifications of wisdom and folly throughout Proverbs are not a reason for you to be a jerk, not a reason for you to be abusive or to have expectations upon women in your life that are not representations or expectations that are actually a part of what Scripture is saying. Proverbs 31 is a, class, a classic for this era. Far too many men have read Proverbs 31, assuming it only applies to women, and that it is a checklist by which they should compare the women in their lives that they might pursue. Men, we are just as accountable to every single word of God right throughout all of Scripture. Just as accountable as the women are. And let's not make the foolish mistake of making a whip or a rod from the words of Scripture with which to beat those in our lives, especially our sisters. Let's continue to hold the beauty, truth and relevance of God's word before our own hearts and let the Holy Spirit do the work that only he can do in us. So with those things in place, hopefully we can walk through this challenging passage this morning in Proverbs 9 and understand it as a paradigm for these next nine weeks. Uh, Again, as we come to Proverbs 9, it's helpful to set the scene Uh, Imagine a father calling over his child. He sits them down and says to them, look here, there's a choice. There's a choice between wisdom or life and there's a choice between folly or death. There's no middle road. And so the father figure begins spelling it out for their child, contrasting wisdom and folly. It's great that things worked out this morning to have Andrew and Amelia up here. Uh, We can even just use them as a visual guide. Imagine Andrew calling Amelia over and sitting her down and saying, Amelia, listen, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. 
something intrigues me about this life hack phenomenon that I mentioned earlier on. Uh, is so, something that intrigues me is how it resembles cheat codes. Uh, if any of you guys in the room are video game players, uh, you would understand straight away what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, it's like if you were playing a video game but you can't be bothered playing it uh, in the way it's actually meant to be played, like finishing the game and unlocking all the weapons or the abilities along the journey. And so you enter these cheat codes to allow you to access those things which help you finish the game in record time and you feel amazing about yourself without really having to learn the nuance of the game. Uh, and so I think we can sometimes come to something like wisdom literature and expect that it's going to be that for us, that we're going to be able to come to it, find a, a cheat code in like one verse proverb, and that's going to unlock a whole bunch of things for us. However, wisdom is presented as something that takes time, takes intentionality, takes learning and growing. Consider the activity of Lady Wisdom. She has built her house, hewn her seven pillars. In other words, it's a big house and wisdom has built it skillfully. We know that anything that is of high quality, it takes time and effort to build, and wisdom has done this. No cheat codes, no life hacks, just hard work. And wisdom has slaughtered her beasts, which I realise that's a trigger word for some people in our congregation. But it's a picture of preparing a good and wholesome and plenteous meal. Wisdom has mixed her wine, not watering it down, not combining cheap wines to make more wine, but this is uh, taking wine and then turning it into like a good mulled wine, adding spices and something to it that just gives it this allure of it being satisfying and has all that we need in it. And it's all being lovingly set out on the table, expecting guests and ready to completely satisfy them. Think of your own efforts at Christmas time or your mother's efforts or maybe even your father's efforts. This uh, incredible language of painting a picture of a meal uh, and an occasion that is abundant, life-giving and even life-changing. Pastor Ray Ortland says in his commentary on Proverbs that this table spread with wisdom has delicacies to satisfy us in every area of life. And so now that the table is spread, wisdom is shown off um, on all, all that's on offer. Lady Wisdom now sends out her messengers to beckon us to come in. Let's keep reading verse 3 to 6. It says that she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense... She says, come eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. The messengers present this incredible invitation. Come one, come all, come any who are simple, any who lack sense, this is the place to be. And listen to the invite, it's to come inside, it's to partake of all the delicacies of wisdom and enjoy its abundance, to walk in the way of insight and live. Now before we dive into uh, who this is addressed to and before we deal with the section in the middle, I want to consider the contrast that is presented in verses 13 to 18, which leads to our second point, consider folly. To read uh, verses 
13 to 18. It says, The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Hopefully the contrast is obvious. Dame Folly is loud, seductive and ultimately knows nothing. Now, if this doesn't sound like the empty promises of our sin-corrupted and broken world, then I don't know what does. The so-called promises of this world are genuinely alluring and we are intensely attracted to them. But all that Dame Folly has to offer is stolen and secret, which seems to satisfy while in the mouth quickly reveals its lack. Proverbs 20 verse 17 says, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. It feels good in the moment, but disappoints and disillusions and it denigrates in the end. And not only that, but ultimately the way of folly, the way of foolishness, even though it's often disguised as something that we think we need, something we think is good for us, it actually turns out to be leading us to death. The author, the sage, is wanting his readers, wanting his son to realise this isn't some trite game. Life isn't something to play around with. It's, it's not something to dabble in a bit of this or a bit of that, but that it is literally a matter of life and death, and not just physical death, but spiritual death. And so my prayer is that over these next nine weeks, as we dive into God's Word, walking through this wisdom book, uh, we'll see what it has to say regarding our choice either wisdom or folly, uh, and across all the topics that we will cover, which are friendship, justice, words, wealth, work, family, and marriage. That we will see the seriousness of making the right choices, of putting our hope in God's wise ways and not taking lightly this life that we have been gifted to live. So with these two comparisons before us, The choice of either wisdom, who has built her house, hewn her pillars, slaughtered her beasts, mixed her wine, presented the delicacies of wisdom and life in this elaborate set-out table. We compare that to Dame Folly, who is loud, who is lazy, who simply sits around and beckons people in to come and taste of the delicacies of folly. And the simple don't understand that when they go down that road, thinking that it looks like something attractive and good for them, it actually leads to death. We should now turn back and consider this middle section, consider who these wise words are addressed to. Proverbs 9, 7 through to 12, it says, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. 
Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight for by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. It might seem a bit odd that this section regarding scoffers is sitting in the middle, but it's very important and very helpful because a lot of us will be here this morning hearing these words and knowing ourselves to be those who are simple, those who lack sense. We know ourselves to be those who need to hear the wisdom of God's word and really hear it, not just at an intellectual head knowledge, but really hear it deep in our hearts that we would be transformed by it. But there are also some of us here this morning that might be offended by this term, simple. And I think this can be a slippery slope towards us becoming scoffers. And so the scage, the wise author, he puts a warning in here, which is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It's effectively saying, are you scoffing at the idea that you're simple? Well, watch out. Those who scoff end up hateful and bitter. But contrast this to a wise person, as verses 8 and 9 start doing. They know their simpleness, their need for wisdom. And so when you correct a wise person... They become wiser still. Or teach a righteous person and they relish in the increase of their learning. And then we have once again this hermeneutical key or this key for how do we read Proverbs? How do we read God's word? Uh, It's a little bit like the cipher code, like in National Treasure when Nicolas Cage deciphers on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, In verse 10, we have this this cipher, this, uh, we have this hermeneutical key and it's just like Proverbs 1 verse 7 uh, and all it unlocks for us, all that Proverbs and all that biblical wisdom literature is trying to communicate. Verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Some of us who may be tempted to think that we don't fall into the category of the simple or those who lack sense. I think this would be unwise. It would be foolish to, in our pride, put ourselves in that category. And in fact, if you need more convincing on this, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament has very hard words for those who consider themselves wise in their own stead, writing in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through to 32. Paul indicts humankind into rebellion against our holy God for our deciding that we are wise in ourselves and we do not need God's wisdom. And then he articulates where this led us to. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 21 to 23 says, For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We decided that we are not the simple ones, that we don't 
lack sense and uh, that we are not in desperate need of God's wisdom or direction. We decided that we are wise, that we know the right choices to make, but what we don't understand is that when we make that choice, when we are not living in God's wisdom, not taking and learning from God's wisdom, the choice that we always make, no matter how hard we might try, the choice that we always make is to choose Dame Folly and to choose death. So see what happens in verse 28 through to 32 of Romans 1. Paul continues and says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or to fear God, or to trust in God and lean on God instead of leaning on their own understanding and their own wisdom because they did not see fit to acknowledge God. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of maliciousness. They are gossips and slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. The indictment upon us, church, is condemning. Not only do we do these things, which we know from God's word are rebellious against him, but we also, deep in our fallen and foolish hearts, we give approval to ourselves and those around us for doing them. We consider ourselves wise, but we do not realize that the dead are there in the depths of Sheol, as verse 18 of our text tells us. And so Paul will go out throughout Romans to prove how we need someone else. We need someone who has not rebelled against God in their hearts and minds. Someone who has lived perfectly, who has obeyed God's word. Someone who has perfectly kept his law and listened and heeded God's wisdom. And thanks be to God that we have this perfect one in the person and work of Jesus Christ. If we want to imagine a conclusion to the story of the father sitting with their son or of Andrew sitting with Amelia telling them to choose wisdom, choose life, don't choose folly, don't choose death, then we have the perfect conclusion in the image of Jesus Christ. He listened perfectly to every word of God. Every word of God's perfect law, every word of God's perfect wisdom. And in his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 that Christ became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Everything we need for our salvation, everything we need for our being made right with God, everything we need for our living wisely according to God's word and way is gifted to you and me in the glorious good news of Christ for us. Speaking to that Corinthian culture that prized human wisdom, Paul makes it clear that the crazy or foolish message of Christ crucified is the message. It's the wisdom that God used to save his people. 
It wasn't through amazing philosophical wisdom or eloquent speeches, but through the powerful message that Jesus Christ died for sinners and that he gifts to his people right standing or righteousness with God and wisdom from God through the Holy Spirit that we might live in Christ, by Christ, for Christ, through the wisdom gifted to us. To finish today, I want to tell a quick story of a man named William Holland. He was a friend of the Wesley brothers, John and Charles Wesley, which many of you have heard about. And the story goes that William, uh, along with the Wesley brothers, they were working hard to earn their salvation. This is before uh, Charles and John would have genuinely considered themselves to be actual Christians. They were actually going on multiple missions trips to try and declare the work of God. They were exhausting themselves trying to earn God's approval through the work that they were doing. But then one night, while sitting in a church meeting, someone reads that little verse that I just read out from 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. And for William Holland, that night, the gospel clicked into his heart. God utilised that little verse to make the whole truth of God's grace come powerfully alive for him on that night. He reports that while he understood all the doctrines, he could sit here as we are right now and he could articulate to you what it means, uh, who God is, what he's done, even why he sent Jesus Christ. He could tell you with his words all the right things to say. But that night, the idea that Jesus Christ became wisdom to him from God is what God used to bring him alive in the miracle of God's grace towards him. And so if you're with us this morning and you don't yet trust in Jesus, and maybe even if you've been here for a while, maybe if you've been coming along, or even if you're sitting here this morning and you could answer me all the correct answers to the questions of who is God and who is Jesus and you're confident that you could give an articulate uh, answer to those questions, I want to push a bit harder on that, push a bit deeper on that. I want to ask the question, do you trust in Jesus, that he alone is the one who is wise, and that he also grants us wisdom? I want to encourage all of us this morning to consider our own foolishness. The Bible makes it clear that it is foolishness to consider ourselves wise, to consider our knowledge of the world or how things work as being wise, as being grounds for us to have salvation. We are all those who are simple and who lack sense. But the good news is that we can turn from our foolishness from our own ways and we can trust in Jesus, trust his perfect wisdom and in him have freedom from the allure of Dame Folly and freedom to walk in the way of Lady Wisdom. So the call this morning is to trust that Jesus has become to you, has become for you and has gifted to you wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption 
that if you would give up trusting in your own way, in your own plan and trusted in Christ's ways and Christ's plan, that in him we have righteousness or right standing with God, that we have sanctification, our being made like Jesus and we have redemption, that our lives which have been belonging to folly and death now in Jesus belong to God, to wisdom and life, true abundant life. If this is something you'd like to explore more, I'm going to pray in just a moment and I ask that you would respond to that prayer in your heart and that you might come and have a conversation. I'd love to have a conversation with you or Grant or Mike or any one of our welcome team or maybe someone you came to church with today. We would love to chat with you and help you on this journey of what does it look like to no longer trust in your own ability to think through something, your, your own uh, conception of how the world works or how your salvation works or who you are before God. What does it look like to no longer want to walk into the door of Dame Folly's house, but put all of your trust and faith in who Jesus is, the only one who can lead you to true life in the all that is offered through Lady Wisdom, the house built, the pillars hewn, the, the meat slaughtered, the, the, the wine mixed, the table spread for you and I to come to and have all that is on offer from God Almighty in his grace and mercy towards us through his son Jesus. That's what's on offer this morning. That's what's on offer for you who maybe you're sitting here this morning and don't yet trust in Jesus, but church, it's also what's constantly and forever on offer for you and I as God's sons and daughters. You and I are called into this story, each of us hearing God call our name, calling us to himself, saying, son, daughter, come listen, come behold the wisdom of salvation that I have gifted to you through Jesus. Come listen, come learn, come grow, come and have true life. And church, that doesn't just happen for us as a one-off on the day that we uh, put our trust in Jesus. So that becomes a day by day growing and relishing in the knowledge of who God is to us in and through Jesus Christ. And as we're going to see over these next nine weeks, it dramatically impacts how we go about living our lives as a gospel-shaped person as we consider relationships and friendship and words and uh, our wealth and our work and justice and all of these different concepts that make up how the world works. Church, the offer is come, choose wisdom, choose life. Don't choose folly. Don't choose death. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had to come to your word. Come to acknowledge your ways. Father, we do recognize that we are those who are simple. We are those who lack wisdom. We are those who lack sense. And we are in desperate need of somebody who has lived perfectly and wisely on our behalf. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you sent Jesus to do that for us. To live perfectly, to die sacrificially, 
and to gift us through the Holy Spirit a will and a desire to love you and to trust you and to walk in your ways. And so we glorify you and we relish in this knowledge and we pray with the Apostle Paul, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom of knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor or who has given to him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.